good morning. I noticed, I couldn't help but notice, that we have a young Marine that walked in this morning. You know, before, it always does my heart good because before I put on this uniform, I wore that one. And so thank you for your service, young man. I don't know your name yet, but I will by the time I leave here. Well, I am Pastor Stephen Lightfoot, and I am delighted to be with you this morning. Uh, a few weeks ago, when Pastor Luis asked me to come preach, I was happy to oblige, and as I usually do when I'm guest preacher, I like to come alongside uh, the current topic of discussion in the church, and so I asked Pastor Luis what... Uh, he had been preaching on, and he told me, sin. <laughs> so I don't know about you, but discussing sin with a group of folks that I haven't had the privilege of meeting yet, well, let's just say that it wasn't my first choice. <laughs> but I will give it my best effort, and we can just agree to give each other a extra amount extra measure of grace this morning. How about we do that? Amen? Amen. Amen. So when we discuss the affliction of sin, I, I find that we also need to have a discussion of the remedy for sin. It does no one any good, I think, to talk about sin and then leave everybody there without hope for a cure. And in our scripture passage this morning... I'm sure most everyone recognizes one of the most powerful scripture verses ever written regarding the remedy for sin, which of course is the grace and mercy of God. And John 3.16 says so incredibly eloquently, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. What a powerful proclamation that is. And you should know that people have been searching for a way out of the bondage of sin since way before that scripture was written in the gospel according to John. 800 years before John's gospel account, the prophet Isaiah was foretelling of God's approaching grace and mercy. And if you have a Bible with you today, if you'd turn to Isaiah chapter 55, and if you don't, that's okay too. Just close your eyes and relax and listen to the grace and mercy of our Lord poured out through the prophet Isaiah. Beginning at verse 6, he says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts 
nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress. Instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall be to the Lord for a memorial, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In the year 587 B.C., as the prophet Isaiah had warned, King Nebuchadnezzar and his Babylonian army conquered Jerusalem. And as conquerors often do, they destroyed the city, flattened the temple, stole its treasure, and took into captivity the Jewish people, men, women, children, making them slaves and exiles in Babylon from their beloved Jerusalem. And times were difficult, exiled in Babylon. See, the Babylonian captors were unforgiving taskmasters. The women and children were bought and sold like cattle. And praying to the one true God was a dangerous activity which might result in a cruel, merciless death. It was a dire circumstance of which the prophet Isaiah foretold more than a century before the conquest actually took place. His people exiled in a foreign land, slaves to a godless people, in bondage to a culture of idols and false gods, under constant pressure to submit, to bow down, to conform. So if we fast forward to present-day Houston, Texas, a sprawling metropolis where a small-town teenage runaway named Chloe, running from an abusive situation at home, steps off a bus and immediately falls prey to a smooth-talking human trafficker. Within days, she is enslaved to the highest bidder and finds herself in bondage. She is in exile in Babylon. Across town, Jonathan, a husband and father of three, walks into his place of employment as he's done every day for the past five years, only to find a pink slip where his time card should be. His company decided to cut his position rather than pay for his government-mandated health insurance. Devastated, he makes the endless drive home 
to look into his wife's eyes to tell her that he is now jobless. He is in exile in Babylon. Indeed, his entire family is now in exile in Babylon. In his very neighborhood, a single mom named Haley tries in vain to comfort her three-year-old, Caitlin, who has a high fever and hangs limp in her mother's arms. Haley has no food to buy, no money to buy food, let alone pay for a doctor visit or buy medicine. Her part-time job barely pays for their small apartment. If only her boyfriend had not gotten arrested a few weeks ago for drug possession, they had so depended on his income. And now they are all three in exile in Babylon. By the grace of Almighty God, Isaiah's prophetic work does not end with the Israelites in captivity in Babylon. God showed Isaiah that there would come a time for their deliverance from bondage. There would come a day of salvation for them. And Isaiah told them, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their way and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them return to the Lord that he may have mercy on them and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. God provided a way out of Babylon, if only they would take it. His mercy and grace were near. All they had to do was accept it, return to him, and he would redeem them. But it was a limited time offer. Isaiah told them while God was near now, while he was giving his mercy and grace, now there would come a time when the offer would end. So they should act now if they wanted to come out of exile from Babylon. So back in downtown Houston, a ministry worker risks everything and posing as a customer, he rents the young runaway Chloe now a year older and totally dependent on her captives for everything, including her heroin addiction. And he offers her an invitation to escape with him to a safe house. Now he can't force her to go. But if she accepts, she will be safe that very night. Will she accept her deliver or will she remain in exile in Babylon? Across the city, Jonathan and his family walk into a local church to spend the night. It's been a year since he's lost his job, and they have lost everything. Their home, their car, all of their possessions. There are several other homeless families staying at the church with them, and they all sit together and share a meal prepared for them by church members. And the pastor offers a prayer before the meal and the words of the pastor, as he prays, begin to penetrate the shell around Jonathan's heart. He prays, come to me, all you that are weary and are carrying heavy burdens, 
and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Will Jonathan accept the invitation to unload his heavy burdens, or will he remain in exile in Babylon? Nearby, single mom Haley wonders if young Caitlin will ever see four years of age. What began as a high fever nearly a year ago turned out to be a serious degenerative condition. And without health insurance and access to quality care, Haley has just barely managed to sustain Caitlin. But she fears the end is coming and there is nothing she can do. As she rocks her helpless child to sleep, as she has done every night for nearly a year now, she turns on the radio only to hear a pastor on a talk show telling about a clinic in northwest Houston for people like her with no insurance and no money. The pastor says they have doctors and nurses and specialists and they work every day to be the hands and feet of Jesus to those in need. All she has to do is call and make the appointment in the morning, but she's not sure about this whole Jesus thing. Will the clinic still help her even if she's not sure about Jesus? Will she make the call or will she stay in exile in Babylon? You see, our teenage runaway, our husband and father, our single mom and her jailed boyfriend are but a small sampling, they and their circumstances, of the prevailing collective consciousness of sin in our society. We are, as a culture, as fallen humans, the wicked to whom Isaiah refers. You see, we have it all backwards. We have it all upside down. We are so short-sighted. We have lost our way, and we have not grasped The truth, as Isaiah proclaims, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Society, people, a.k.a. the wicked, today lean toward secular humanism, which is nothing more than human autonomy. We cry liberty, equal rights, tolerance, diversity. If we don't like the restrictions placed on us by Scripture, we simply ignore Scripture in the name of all that we cry about. Our watchword is fairness when it should be righteousness. We have replaced real God-given liberty with the slavery of universalism. We have mistaken tolerance For love, when the lack of accountability inherent in tolerance is the most unloving thing we could possibly do to one another. 
as we turn a blind eye to unrighteousness so as not to offend, we pave the way to hell because then there is no accountability for the unrighteous. Friends, herein rests the truth about liberty. When we accept that our liberty is God-given and therefore under his authority, when we submit to his authority as given to us in his word, the Bible, when we cease rebellious efforts to be autonomous and make our own rules, then and only then do we enjoy freedom through the mercy and grace, what Isaiah calls the pardon of God. And until we return to the Lord, as Isaiah proclaims, we will live in exile in Babylon. But when we accept our deliverer, when we say yes to Jesus, we receive mercy and with it grace. We receive the abundant pardon of our God and then, then, We cease to be in exile in Babylon, but we are headed for Jerusalem. Is this a Presbyterian church? I said, we are headed for Jerusalem. Amen. Thank you. How do we know this is true? We know it's true because God said it. God is not a human being that he should lie or a mortal that he should change his mind. Has he promised and will he not do it? Has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? As Isaiah proclaims, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there until they have watered the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. But it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God's word does not go out and return void. It accomplishes great and mighty things. If God says he will pardon, you can rest assured you are no longer in exile in Babylon, but you are headed for Jerusalem. And what a joyous journey that will be. As you travel that sanctifying road to Jerusalem, all of creation will shout for joy. As our runaway Chloe joyfully accepts her deliverer's invitation of safety, she embraces an opportunity for real deliverance. As our husband and father Jonathan Joyfully allows the pastor's prayer to penetrate his heart. He grasps the gift of an eternal home and access to the limitless storehouses of God. As our single mom, Haley, joyfully carries her child, Caitlin, through the doors of the (coughs) clinic ministry, she experiences the face of Christ in the eyes of a medical team and a relationship of trust and new life is born. See, like our examples, Chloe, Jonathan, Haley, we too must make a choice. We too must decide if we will accept our deliverer or not. Now, sadly, some will choose not to accept. 
But, like our examples, we too, as we accept Christ, can all step out in joy because while we may be in exile in Babylon, we are headed for Jerusalem. As Isaiah proclaims, for you shall go out in joy and be led back in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall burst into song and all of the trees of the field shall, let's do it together, clap their hands. One more time, clap their hands, yes. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle, and it shall be to the Lord for a memorial, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. Friends, if you have not already, will you make a decision for Christ today? Will you say yes to the invitation of your Deliverer? And if you do, what a celebration we will have. When the runaways all come home, when the families have provision in abundance, when the addicts are set free, when the single moms and their children are secure in the house of the Lord, where sickness, sin, and death are not even a faded memory. What a celebration we will have when we are no longer slaves to our sin, no longer in bondage to the prevailing culture, no longer in exile in Babylon, but home sweet home in Jerusalem. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. And now as we prepare the receiving and the giving of our tithes and offerings while the choir sings, Please prepare your hearts.